You're listening to Thinkers What Works podcast. I'm your host, Jason Todd, with my co-host, Alex Gary, and today, Josh Binning with Lucha Cantina. We're going to talk a rough start in the restaurant business, how to win people back, and learning from criticism. Today, we're here with Josh Binning with Lucha Cantina, a Mexican restaurant here in the Rockford area. That's correct. Tell us, how did you get started with Lucha Cantina? You know... Well, it's a long story, so I'll make it not too long. I used to work for a corporate restaurant here in town and um, was there a long time. Started there as a server, worked my way up to general manager. And once you became a manager at a corporate restaurant, they like to train a lot. That's kind of their thing. So whenever we had a new product that would come out, there'd be conferences. We'd go to meetings. I'm flying out to Colorado or flying to Minnesota or going to all these things. And a lot of times it wasn't that exciting of a meeting. It's like, how many pepperonis are we going to put on the pizza? Well, I didn't have to fly to Denver to find that out. So a lot of times there'd be a few of us that kind of sat in the back of the room and we'll just say didn't pay that close of attention. Um, one of the guys that I met in the back of the room not paying attention was the general manager for one of the restaurants in Boulder, Colorado, who eventually ended up leaving the company and he and I stayed in touch. And then he went up to Breckenridge, Colorado, opened a little taco joint, not too much bigger than this booth right here called Lucha Cantina. It was right at the base of the Quicksilver Lift, and kids would come up and grab their burrito and head up the ski lift to go skiing. And we kept in touch, and eventually I'm like, you know what? Maybe I want to step out and do my own thing. My dad owned his own business. My grandparents owned their own business. My uncle owned his own business. So maybe I should be the guy who owns his own business and the family next. So we went out there, and we talked to him, and I'm like, Chuck, man, come to Rockford. Open a Lucha. I'll just come and work for you. He's like, look around, man. I live in Breckenridge, Colorado. <laughs> I mean, nothing against Rockford. This is never going to happen. I'm like, well, Chuck, okay, I'm going to open a lucha. He's like, whatever. We'll, we'll be partners on this. So I own all of my restaurants. He owns all of his restaurants. We talk every single day and kind of kick ideas back and forth. But So there are some more luchas. It's not just Rockford, but that's kind of the, the short version of how we went from Rockford to bringing a Denver brand out here to make it grow, grow as well. Maybe someday it'll be the next Chili's. We'll see. So you're running a lucha here in Rockford. Correct. Uh, and there's a lucha in Breckenridge, Colorado. There's now a lucha in not Breckenridge. That one closed because the rent was gotcha. like more than anything. It, there's one in Georgia. Georgetown and one in Littleton, Colorado gotcha. as well. And, and you guys are, you're, you're not the same corporate entities. No, absolutely not. But you have this friendship and this business, kind of this business mentorship Our lawyers hate it. Really? Okay. Yeah, because we're just friends and we're in business and we, and we work together. Right. And they're like, well, we should protect each other from each other and we just get along. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's on, almost unheard of. That might be the first time I've ever heard that story where two people just get along <laughs> and you're running the same, you're running the same show. We do. Wow. Talk every day. So you're obviously clearly very happy that you left your corporate job figuring out how many pe- you know pepperonis you had to put on a pizza. Correct. You know, I, I am. It was a a hard decision to make, although I'll be at the right one. It was, I thought something was going to be very easy to do because, I mean, I thought I was the best restaurant operator in the world. I mean, I, I, mean, I was top of the world. And then all of a sudden you're doing it on your own. You don't have somebody else's checkbook to work with. Now it's your checkbook. And when things go bad, it's not like, well... No matter how slow it gets, we could go out of business. The chain places, that's not going to go away. It's right. going to be there no matter what. And it's it, it was hard, um, very hard. And you get humbled really quick. And you learn to, you know, suck it up and just be there. You don't get to go home at the end of the day because the next manager comes in. You are the next manager that comes in. Yeah, you, and you own work, the whole thing. You own the whole so. thing and you work all the time and, and you just do it. So, okay, so you're running the one restaurant and... What was the conversion time? Were you like running one restaurant and thinking about opening something else or did you, you just make the leap? 
No, we, we, we had one restaurant and, and it was going well. Um, we had a rough open at Lucha. And once we got past that and kind of got our, kind of got our sea legs, if you will, we, things were going good. Um, no, I guess let me take a step back. So you were at the, the restaurant that you were managing, okay. right? Did you, did you stop doing that and, and go into the other restaurant or were you like researching places and talking about menus while you were still running the restaurant? I was researching places because the, the perk for me was I had no, I had a great job. I had four weeks vacation. I had benefits. So I had to take my time. It wasn't like I was forced into, like, by the recession, I have to open a business to feed my family. I had a great job, and I got to take literally a year to kind of plan the open of the restaurant. And then I got to, as came closer to the time, put in literally two months' notice and have the HR department of my former company kind of help me with some things along the way. It was a very smooth, friendly transition. I'm still great friends with many people over there. So it, it, it was worked out well. How many places did you look at? How many locations did you look at before you settled on the one you're at? Um, a few. We looked around Rockford a couple of places. Um, eventually, our first concept was actually going to, we we're going to take Lucha. We we're, we're, we're really targeting um, Chipotle. We we're going to go fast casual because we're talking five years ago, we're in the planning stage, and Chipotle was at its prime before they made everybody sick. And um, <laughs> we, we, were, we were targeting really hard to, we, we can be the local version of Chipotle. So we're looking at smaller square footage, things like that. And we just couldn't find a space that really fit right. And, um, and then we went into the spot at Edgebrook Center here, and it's just, it's a huge space. But for what it's worth, that the huge big restaurant was what I knew how to run. I knew how to run a casual dining restaurant. I didn't know as much about fast casual and, and that side of the business. So just, it felt right as for us at that point. We knew there's a ton of houses in that neighborhood and absolutely no restaurants. I live in that neighborhood. Within a mile of us, I'm told there's like 30,000 people in other restaurants um, of casual dining restaurants. So it was a chance for us to go in there and kind of to place our stake. And the community around us has just been fantastic. Just our neighbors, are the people that walk to the restaurant, ride their bikes and stuff. It's really been great over there. And not only from the community. I've got a friend who travels something like 35 minutes to Lucha Cantina because they love it. It's yeah, we, we, have, we have people that um, make their pilgrimages. We have people that come from, literally a family that comes from Madison. Um, I have a guy who comes down from Milwaukee who's a business leader in Milwaukee. And literally every time he comes in, there's a business card. When you're ready to open in Milwaukee, give me a call. Um, so, so we see people who, who travel some distance to come to us as well. You said you had a rough opening that first year. What, what was so rough about it? And what were the changes that got you through it? Um, we, our opening day, we had thought we were going to have about we done a, a, like an invite-only sort of thing. So we thought we had about 100 people come in, and things would go really smooth. And there were in between four and 500 people that showed up. Um, we took everybody's orders, and then about an hour into that, we closed our kitchen and said, you're not getting any food. And then we pretty much did that for the next, I don't know, three or four shifts, where we just we couldn't physically handle the operations of the restaurant. We had some equipment issues in the back, and our menu, which we thought was just going to be a breeze, was a beast. So literally, after being open for three days, we closed for four days. I said, you know what, we're not doing this. We can't keep giving bad customer experiences over and over and over and over again. This is a very short, very short shelf life. So we closed and we changed out a lot of equipment. We put in new grills, we put in new fryers, we brought in a new oven. Um, we retrained our staff again. We thought we were good, we clearly weren't. We took our menu at that point from a four page menu down to a one page menu. And then we opened back up. And on that first Friday night, food took like an hour to come out of the kitchen. And then we changed the menu a little bit. And then the next week, it was down to 40 minutes to come out of the kitchen. And we changed the menu a little bit. And in the first, literally in the first three months, we probably changed our menu 20 times. But then I remember that first weekend night, I went home and said to my wife, Jen, the longest ticket tonight was 25 minutes. And you would think <laughs> that literally I just won the Powerball. Right. Like all things, we had, we had 
we had hit the summit. We, we had conquered. We, we had essentially beat our own demons. We had figured it out at that point. And not saying we don't have times where things go rough in the restaurant. Every restaurant has it. But we were able to beat that. And then we started growing back up. And now we're back to almost four-page menu again, things like that. So, so but it, it, it was a learning process. And in that, that kind of rough spot of your opening, how did the, how did the public respond when you had to – uh, close your business for, for four days. Did, did you retain those customers? Or did they get um, angry at you and leave? Th- there were some customers who were very unforgiving. Um, some customers who were very understanding. Um, my wife was working in the restaurant with me at that point, And this first couple of shifts, she was the one taking a lot of the heat while I was back in the kitchen just pulling my hair out. And she was having customers tell her how awful of a person she was and how dare she and things like that. And it's like people really, I mean, for what it's worth, this is a restaurant, you know, we're not doing brain surgery here. Uh, Although you think we were for how long it took us. Um, But but she took a lot of the heat on that. But in time, we we went through and, you know, if you look at our Yelp or our TripAdvisor, we try to respond to literally every single review. When we're wrong, we say we're wrong. Um, I, we, on the bottom of our guest receipt, it asks for input from our guests where they can fill out a survey, and I write every single person back. Um, when we mess up, we admit it. In those first couple of months, we said to a lot of people, we're sorry, we didn't do a good job by you. You know, If you get another chance, we hope you can come back and see us. Dinner's on me. And we did that literally hundreds and hundreds of times. In fact, just this past weekend, we were working the Screw City Beer Festival here in Rockford. We had a tent there. And um, a guest came up, and they're like, oh, we haven't been there in forever. So and, hold on. Yeah. We, can we get tickets from you next year? Because that's a hard Screw ticket. Screw City? Yeah. <laughs> tickets are yeah. hard to come by. They are, for sure. I think you have to look at Facebook like the day before for people with scheduling conflicts. And try Maybe to we could help. We'll, we'll volunteer. Right. I'll you take staff next feed year. Us, <laughs> feed us in tacos. That's right. And uh, we'll get some beer. You can use Tinker here as a staging. It's much well, shorter perfect, drive. Much shorter drive. <laughs> um, and I, I had a guest come up to me there, and they're like, we haven't been there since right after you guys opened. And I just said to that guest right then, I go, I'm so sorry. I go, I'm sure if you were there those first few weeks, we did a terrible job for you. But I want you to come back. And they thought it was hilarious that still four years later, I'm apologizing for what we did that first week. And the guy's like, we understand. Things don't go always right. We just, we've been busy. And that's how it is. And people do get busy. Don't make it out all the time. But um, yeah, we, we apologized a lot. We, we, we were wrong. We put our tail between our legs. That was, that was going to be my question. There was a, a restaurant, oh gosh, 10 years, 15 years ago called Arby. Not a, it's RBI's now. Okay. It started out as the Varsity Diner, mm-hmm. and I remember because I was somewhat involved in it. They, they they wanted to be like the local sports Hall of Fame kind mm-hmm. of thing, and so I helped them with the research. And they spent all this money, and they built a, a new building, and they put all these pictures up, and they had these these plates with all these names on it. And you couldn't get a table for an hour, hour and a half when it started, but he didn't know how to run a restaurant. And within six months, you know, he had, he had had a whole new staff, tried again, but he didn't win the people back, and he ended up having to give you know, it up to RBIs. One of the perks that I had is having been in the business. I mean, I'd been in the business for 17 years in Rockford at that point, so I had a staff. Like, a lot of my staff came with me, and I literally had of the 50 people on my staff, about 25 people who had already worked for me for a couple of years. So when, in those first day when everything was going down, I had this one server, God bless her, her name is Steph, she just had a baby. She, I remember her saying to some people in the kitchen, Listen, Josh can get this right, but it's going to take some time. Don't lose faith in it. Don't walk out because the staff's getting beat up by their customers. But hey, we can we can do this, and it's going to work out. And um and it did. We just everybody just came in and worked hard. We just with, do. With all that experience, the question is: You said your your first um, menu was a beast, mm-hmm. and you didn't have the right equipment. Mm-hmm. You would think even with all those years with a big corporate mm-hmm. restaurant, you'd be able to get past it. Does that does that show how hard it is to actually figure out a restaurant? It does show how hard as it is to figure out a restaurant. You know, there, there's people who just come in and just open up restaurants and make it. 
anybody who can operate a restaurant and be successful deserves credit from everyone around them because it's harder than they think it is. You know, it's, it's not about just having a good, tasty meatball. I mean, if you want to open that kind of restaurant, that's not it. In fact, that, there's a lot of people who can make a good meatball. There's not a lot of people who can make a restaurant that can sell meatballs. And, and there's a lot of operations and ordering and storage and being able to cook things in a timely manner and having enough space to pull the, to pull the work off and have it have the, the flow of the product. Um, it's an assembly line that takes a product and makes it from raw to finish in nine to 10 minutes sometimes. And not a lot of places can do that. It, it's hard. One of the things we were talking about before we, we started um, rolling is that you're in Edgebrook Shopping Center. So if, if somebody's not familiar with Rockford, Edgebrook Shopping Center is kind of in the center of town. It's always been an upscale uh, draws upscale shoppers, and it's always been very popular. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's not a mall; it's an outdoor walk around kind of experience. But uh, Edgebrook is having the same struggles with retail that you know shopping malls are. Is that affecting uh, your business? Not yet. I will say um, there has been some vacancies at Edgebrook. Um, I think a lot of businesses see the power of Amazon hurting them at the local level. You know, Edgebrook has, a, has Edgebrook is mixed. It has a fair amount of um, locally owned businesses. It also has some national businesses in there. Um, it needs that mix to operate as, as a business. But um, th- there has been some businesses um, that have lost because of the the Amazon effect, if you will. You take the children's bookstore that we had a fantastic bookstore run by great people, but they couldn't sell a book as cheap as you could buy it on Amazon and have it delivered to your house the next day. And businesses like that don't make it. And those are traffic drivers for 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 a mall like ours. Um, as far as a business like us, you you look at the changing trends and what's going to happen. You know, you see that. Um, a good example is tonight when I go home, we're cooking a Blue Apron dinner at our house, which we've never done before. Um, but I want to see how they do their packaging. You know, can I do this better than Blue Apron? Can I put food at a guest's house at two in the afternoon for them to open up at five o'clock when they come home at a better price than Blue Apron can? So you need to look at how the how the market's going to change over the next few years, and how can we take the space that we have, which we have a huge kitchen? How can I modify the space to help me stay with the times and, and, and tend to, to work with the business? What are you seeing in demographic shifts towards you know what millennials perhaps expect and how that's affecting your business? Um, millennials want fresh food. And we try to give that to them. Um, we, we have a, a good um, amount of millennials that come in. A, a lot of our clientele is um, my age. I'm in my 40s. We see a lot of 40 to 50-year-olds with kids who are 5 to 15-year-old in, in that kind of age group that come in. Um, they've got a little bit more seasoned in life so that they, they can go out to dinner and stuff with their kids like that. Um, we also have a, a senior clientele, which is fantastic, that comes from the neighborhood. And it's a little bit older of a neighborhood. Um, so, so, so they come in. We, we have a pretty good mix across the board from, for, for all the demographics that come in. Um, we do see a lot of, um, because of the kind of food that we serve, even though it's Mexican, we see a lot of um, people who might be coming to Rockford for either um, the work at Sunstrand or Woodward and things like that, people from other countries that are coming in. They really enjoy the type of food that we serve. Same thing with the University of Illinois, Chicago, in Rockford that comes in. Um, a lot of business from those areas as well. Well, you know, you already talked about how you respond to every single review. Correct. Now, so when you started in the business, that stuff wasn't around. No. And so now, is that something, do you have a, actually have a staffer who that's their job? No, it's my job, and I'm behind on it right now. Um, <laughs> I, I think that it's, it's, it's not as authentic if it comes from a staffer. It needs to come from the owner. If, if I'm going to say that the business messed up and we're sorry, it needs to come from me because they know something's going to change about it. Um, we do respond to every single review, but it's, honestly, it's on those two platforms because there's a million platforms out there. Um, I don't respond in, in general to Facebook reviews because literally there's a flood of them because Facebook prompts reviews. Um, a, a lot of people um, 
a lot of people in the industry don't like review sites. They have a lot of complaints about them. Um, very fairly, they have those complaints because review sites, a lot of people hide behind um, not maybe possibly not a real experience. Um, but for the most part, I think most of the people out there are real and are genuine and just want to be heard. People a lot of times don't want the free dinner. They want somebody to say, I'm sorry, you know, that wasn't perfect. Because um, it's just good because I don't want to give away a free dinner and I'm happy to say I'm sorry that wasn't perfect when we mess up. But we're, um, that, that, it, it's been successful for us. We've had some guests who have had poor experiences that we've really saved that guest and now they're a raving fan. Now the person who's out there saying, you know what, this place is the place you want to go. And they send people our way all the time. And when it comes to technology, the interesting and, and the upcoming um, generation you talked about how the Amazon effect is hurting like retail businesses, but this upcoming generation loves to eat out. You're, you're like in the right industry mm -hmm. at this point. And with, with modern technology, you said people come down from Madison. Is it easier to get the word out about your business to a larger region now? Yes. We, um, we have abandoned traditional forms of advertisement. Um, we are strictly digital. We, no, I'm going to say 99, 95% digital. Facebook and Instagram are our two leaders right now. Um, we work hard on Facebook. Um, I have a, you know, when we ha had to make some changes in the past couple of years, um, and staff-wise, we went down to essentially myself and one other manager, Manny, who's a fantastic, hardest-working person I know, does a great job for me. And just recently, we added in another manager, but not somebody in-house, somebody who just takes care of design for us. Um, so that was a different way for a restaurant to look to say, hey, we, we know that design is important. So we're not just going to put take a picture of our food and put it on Facebook or Instagram. We're going to make sure that there's some animation behind it, that the, that the colors are balanced, that all the graphics work together, that we build a new menu that matches our advertisement, which matches our new website. So all those pieces go together. Um, th that's the way that we think the industry and business in itself is going to go, that design's a huge factor. So that's been a, one of the ways we've adapted to a younger generation is to really work with design to kind of up our game in that area. And how do you measure the success of that effort? You know, I'm a big fan of trends. Um, I, I look at sales trends, and I look at every single day and every single week against the previous year. And out of the past, and we, we brought our, our design person on um, part-time back in May, and we've had one week since then where we haven't been above the previous year. So I'll take that as a positive. And you said you do a lot of... Uh, digital advertising mm -hmm. you you characterize it as you don't do any traditional advertising anymore and i'm, I'm assuming traditional is tv radio TV, print okay gotcha i do a little bit of print with some local publications yeah. but for the most part none and and how are you what are you seeing as successful in that realm of advertising what are you seeing isn't working you know pictures people like to see their food and they like the story behind it here's what here's what we're selling this weekend here's what we're featuring right now and here's a little bit of information about it um at, at lucha our, our food isn't we sell Mexican food, but we've never ever once pretended to be a traditional Mexican restaurant. We, when people say that in review, it's not traditional. It's like on the menu, it says it's not traditional. I mean, I, I would have told you that. Um, we, we do things a little bit differently. We, we use kale and zucchini and things in our burritos. But we also like to try to, to, to give people a little piece of a story. So if we're having something that's a little bit different for them, you know, you might think of this kind of like a Mexican pizza. Kind of give our guests a little piece of story and then put this picture with the vibrant colors and the fresh ingredients on there. And we've had a huge reaction from that. Instagram's been, um, at some point, they'll change their algorithm that'll hurt businesses a little bit more. But right now, Instagram is playing great for restaurants. And what are you finding isn't working for you? Um, text isn't working. Um, 
boosted posts I don't think have the push that they used to have. You used to be able to see the world with a boosted post. Now, I, for some reason, I can't really put my finger on it, but when we used to boost a post on a Friday night, we were busier that Friday night. Now you're just not seeing it anymore. So I don't know if these boosts are going to people who aren't necessarily customers because we target them pretty hard. Um, or perhaps it's just uh, oversaturation. Yeah, oversaturation right. since yep. so many people are boosting. I was reading a, a white paper this week about how you shouldn't boost anymore. Yeah, it's, all, it's all about getting the share. How can you get the guest to share? And an authentic share. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want to have share, hey, if you share this, we'll give you a free order of nachos. I want the person I want the person at the end to say, hey, my friend Sally absolutely loves this place. We should go there. And you get that authentic share, which I think will drive the customer in. One thing, um, you had a second restaurant. We did. Um, and you, that lasted less than a year. So can you, go, can you walk through that? Why, do, you know, why a second restaurant and what happened and what did you learn from that? We opened a second restaurant because... At Lucha, things were going absolutely great. And we were looking for, at one point I was looking to open a restaurant with a partner. And um, and then I was like, well, you know, I, right now I, I work alone. I work pretty well alone. I'm not quite sure I want a partner. Nothing against the other people. I just, I'm not sure that's right for me. So let's open another, let's open another Lucha. And then, well, if I open another Lucha, I've got it. I can't be in Rockford because I can't be downtown because I'm too close to downtown. I can't be at State Street because I'm too close to State Street. Because where we're located, center of town, means that you can't be in the other kind of big areas of town. So then I have to go up to Bloyd or I have to go up to Janesville. I'm not sure I want to drive 45 minutes to my new restaurant every single day back and forth. And then we had this opportunity to go to um, the space that we opened as RKFD. And it seemed absolutely perfect. And and there's a lot of some amazing pros to that space. Um it, it was in a great location. All, all the things really seemed to be there. Um, and then we took, we did a very fast turn. I, I, I like to open restaurants fast. I opened Lucha in 30 days. We opened RKFD in 45 days, which is pretty much unheard of. But the, the longer you're not open, the less you're making money. So so, so we got open and, and we had a great feeling. We had a lot of guests coming in. But honestly, it came down to, and I've talked to some people in the know about this since then. We, we had a, and we didn't know it at the time, but we had a, a cash flow issue from before the restaurant opened our front doors. Um, we were undercapitalized and restaurants cost a lot of money to get going, especially when you do the kind of remodel we did there. And it was just some poor planning and then some poor financing decisions after that. And it just, it kept kept multiplying, kept multiplying to the point where now I'm putting the business that I have, which is doing a fantastic job, I'm putting that one in jeopardy to hopefully pull this other one up. And we just had to make the unbelievably hard decision. Honestly, the, the, the worst time of my life um, was having to decide that, you know what, we can't do this anymore and have to shut the doors and and then get your stuff out and, and then really just really put your tail between your legs and, and sit at home and pour yourself a stiff drink and sit there and say what happened. I mean, you I literally went from being the highest you can be on, on top of the world to being as low as you can possibly get emotionally inside of a 12 month period over the same thing, you know, from, from, from the open to the close. And it was just absolutely just crushing. But then you get up on Monday morning and you go to work and you, you spend a few months to figure out what went wrong and what you can do about it. And now we go to work every single day and we work hard and we have debt from our other business still. And we have a chalkboard in our office that has the debt tally on it. And every single Monday, myself and my other manager sit down and we tally everything up and we write a new number on there. And we have the, the previous one in front of it. And we go through and we work on it every single day with the goal in mind is to be completely out of debt inside of 16 months and to run an operate great operation so then we can pay our staff more. We can hopefully offer some benefits at some point. We can have a better operation, give our guests a better experience, do things inside the restaurant. But all that's going to come from, and maybe all, I mean, all these great things are going to happen because we lost a restaurant. Maybe we would have never seen what we can do now because of that. But now we have this opportunity and we go in and work at it really hard every day, knowing that it, it is... Before you thought we were thought we were just absolutely invincible, and now we know we're not. So we have to work harder to make sure that that never happens again. What happens when it gets to zero? Have you 
ruled out ever doing a second restaurant again? <sighs> My wife wants me to say yes to that question. Um, if we do another restaurant at some point, it will probably be a growth off of something we currently have in our square footage, um, whether it be a, uh, a lucha food truck, something like that, a, a catering side of our business. How can we take the square footage that we have and, and maximize that square footage? And that's probably the direction we will head. Getting back to that, uh, the concept of you, you learned a lot of lessons from going from the highest high to the lowest low over the same thing all in 12 months. Uh, do you make it a practice? I'm just curious of digesting some of these failures because everybody, you know, everybody who's successful has learned from failure. Uh, do you make it a practice of digesting from failure and, and what you're learning and, and how you might reapply those lessons? I'm trying to, um, I really am. You know, when it happened, um, I, the next Friday night, I'm in the restaurant, and every guest, every single time says to me, what happened over there? And I'm just like, well, you know, if I knew, we'd still be in business, you know? I, I don't really know, and you, and you kind of play it off. But I've really spent, I mean, you, you think about it a lot. You know, what could we have done differently? And and maybe in that business, I don't know, we could have done differently. Um, but in the in the big picture, I think we've learned a lot from it. We're doing things differently in our business now from things we've learned at because of that. Um, and, and, and some major, some major things. We, we run our labor differently. We do some significant things to, to make our operations sounder for our staff and for ourselves. And, and but, but I do think about it a lot. Like probably almost every day, there's time spent thinking about not only what if, but why. And, and what, what are we doing here to not make those same mistakes again? So looking back on uh, your your beginning, you spent what you said I think 17 years. 17 running, years uh, running a chain restaurant and and learning that life to then having your own restaurant. Uh, and having a, a, I think a, you know, a, a great friend, a comrade, you know, to, to help you with that and, and, and figure out what's going forward to then opening a second restaurant, closing that second restaurant to, to where you're at today soon to, to hopefully pay off, you know, your debt from that, that second restaurant as well. If you were to look back, having lived all these experiences, if you were to look back at yourself, see yourself coming up, what what would you say to yourself now? What lesson would you impart on yourself now? Probably two things. One would be to find a financial advisor. Um, businesses of my size can't afford CFOs. A business of my size needs CFOs. They need somebody who really knows the dollars and cents. And for what it's worth, at Lucha, we do a better job of dollars and cents than probably most restaurants do. We have two different accounting firms that I use to cross-check each other. Um, we, we, and one is a restaurant-specific company out of Colorado. We, we're, we're very focused on having good restaurant operations, weekly inventories. We know exactly what our cost of goods are, where all the money's going. Um, but having that person help you make financial decisions, I think, would be a, a huge piece for somebody, um, for myself even. Um, the other one would be to... Man, give your wife a hug. Tell her you love her and thank her for coming along for the ride. Because if your significant other isn't absolutely on board with what you're going to do, you are not going to succeed. At least you're not going to succeed with them. They will leave you because it is hard, hard work, and they are long, long days, and it takes a pretty awesome spouse to stay on board for that ride. Well, today, as we record this, it's Taco Tuesday. It is Taco Tuesday, yes. Which is really exciting, yes. I think. Uh, why don't you tell our listeners how they can get in touch with you and and uh, visit Lucha Cantina? All right. Come to our website at luchaRockford.com. Um, find us on Facebook or Instagram at, at Lucha Cantina Rockford or give us a call at 815-977-4319. That's awesome. Josh, thanks for joining us tonight. Thanks for Alex, me. thanks always, uh, our capable co-host here.
And thanks to our listeners for joining us on Thinkers What Works podcast.